Today on Ag News Daily. Their 1920 carryouts, they were at 1.65, 1.7 billion bushel, and they were using a, oh, no, our current 1819 carry-in of about 1.7. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It is a Monday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast, and I suppose it's a Monday everywhere. I am joined by my co-host, Delaney Howell. Delaney, how are you doing? I'm good, Mike. Did you have a good Easter? I did. I did. I went to brunch at my mom's, Mm -hmm. which turned into Mike is raking all of the leaves and spreading all of the mulch. (laughs) Mom's flower beds. So good. it was uh, kind of a nice bait and switch. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> good Easter project for you. It was a great Easter project. <laughs> she followed it up with some delicious ham and some wonderful scalloped potatoes. So I can't complain too bad. There you I did. Go. Uh, I did get my tummy full, filled. So you know, it's a win. Did you get some leftovers to take home too? Of course, of course. I'm no fool. <laughs> good. Eden's taking care of you. How about you? How was yours? Yeah. Uh, my, my Easter was good. We went to my boyfriend's on Saturday and my family's on Sunday. And then we ended Easter Day by getting a nice round of golfing. So I can't complain. You know what? That was the coolest thing about this Easter. It was, what, 80 degrees yesterday here in central Iowa? Yeah, it was gorgeous. Bizarrely nice. But mm-hmm. today, as I sit uh, recording this podcast, I'm sitting in my vehicle and there are Thunder showers yeah. passing overhead. The listeners, if you hear the sweet pitter-patter <laughs> rainfall, I apologize. I am uh, recording in the vehicle today. Yes. So more rain. Hopefully not. I think, I don't know, fingers crossed, I think it's not supposed to be a ton of rain like we have been getting. I think it's just supposed to be light scattered showers. We've get, been getting some in Des Moines. It's starting to clear up now, so I assume you guys will get that storm and then it'll pass for you guys too, Mike. But I know... Driving around central Iowa and eastern Iowa this weekend, saw a lot of guys in the fields doing tillage work, fall or, uh, spring prepping work, and I even saw a couple planters rolling. So springtime is upon us. It is. This morning I was doing some uh, some driving around, just doing some field scouting, and I definitely noticed probably three or four planters running in the field. So hopefully, guys, we're able to get some stuff in before these uh, rain showers moved across, but... Delaney, you know, last week we talked quite a bit about the, oh, I suppose, dire straits we're in with regard to uh, NH3 and hydrous ammonia availability. Mm -hmm. Maybe this rainfall will uh, free up a couple tanks to uh, let some other guys get some work done. Yeah, hopefully. I know we're chomping at the bit and we'll get uh, crop progress planting reports out this afternoon. So we'll talk about those tomorrow on the podcast and see where we're really at as a country. Absolutely. And Delaney, just a quick Note for your future reference and our mm-hmm. listeners' future reference, it's champing at the bit. Horses champ really? at the bit. They don't chomp. It is, yeah. I learned that, that myself just just a couple weeks ago. I think people will make fun of me if I say that because nobody says it that way. But then you get to act all smug like I just did and correct them. Oh, champing. Champing at the bit, Yes. Huh. I think if I ever use that, people are going to think that I'm just dumb and I don't know what I'm talking about. But you're not, and you're right, and you get to say that, oh, oh, excuse me, just so you know, it's champing. Horses champ at the bit. You get to be all smug and condescending, which, frankly, is (laughs) the best way to be. All right. Well, you do you, Mike. I will do me, and me is condescending. (laughs) Okay. 
So, Delaney, before yes. I get too condescending and yeah. turn some listeners off by mm-hmm. smug arrogance, mm-hmm. what's the kind of news we've got going on in the world of ag today? Well, we saw last week that Japan and the U.S. had really the first round of trade talks kick off. We're going to see another visit to the White House this later this week. Prime Minister Shinzo Abe will be arriving in D.C. on Friday and Saturday. We'll spend that time with President Trump and their, his economy minister, Toshimitsu Motigai, who was in D.C. last week, will also probably be accompanying the prime minister to the U.S. to discuss more bilateral trade talks. However, this will be right after they've had their EU-Japan summit to discuss implementation of their free trade agreement. And so... I don't know. We'll have to see what happens there. Um, we're essentially playing some catch up because Japan and the EU are quite a bit farther in their free trade talks than what we are. They are. But Delaney, as far as I'm aware, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. I don't think they're talking agriculture with the EU either. I haven't heard one way or the other, so I can't comment on that. But I yeah, I don't know. OK, well, yeah, you're right. We'll just have to wait and see. Yes. Well, I've got some news. As long as we were talking about the Far East, as uh, perhaps our elderly listeners maybe refer to uh, Asia as, uh, China, their commerce ministry said on Friday that they, quote, regret a ruling by the World Trade Organization that their tariff rate quotas for rice, white, for bleh, rice, wheat and corn um, violate the World Trade Organization's um, accession commitments. So it does sound like they are going to make an appeal to that ruling, but they haven't officially filed it. They've got uh, 60 days from last Thursday to officially appeal. So we'll see what China ends up doing. But as of so far, they just say they regret the ruling by the WTO. Of course they do. Well, yeah. I mean, China was the loser in that ruling. Of course, they're going to regret it. It's mm-hmm. not terribly shocking. The big question remains to be seen. Will they appeal it? And then if they appeal it, I, you know, what's the likelihood that the WTO will reverse their decision? I think it's fairly unlikely, but it could drag these TRQ disagreements out for another two years, which is something we should keep in mind. Yes, I think so, too, Mike. And since we're talking about Chinese related news, I'm going to Bring us up to speed on yet some more African swine fever updates. The uh, National Pork Board and Pork Checkoff released some information today I thought was pretty interesting. Just to put it again in perspective, of course, we saw that Bank number of perhaps 200 million head will be culled. And now official reports are confirming that every province in China essentially has had African swine fever um, positive cases. We also saw just last week, the end of last week, Cambodia and Vietnam both, or Cambodia, Vietnam is testing positive. They have seen a case last week that 400 hogs died for and another 100 were cold. And this is the interesting thing to me. We've now seen, I believe, 40-plus countries test positive for African swine fever over the past year. Whoo, boy, that is huge. When you look from Eastern Europe, including Poland and uh, and uh, 
Yeah, I don't think it's hit Germany yet, but Eastern no. Europe all the way through, gosh, now Cambodia and Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Man, this is a scourge that really we need to thank our lucky stars hasn't hit our shores yet here in the Americas. Right. And and uh, of course they're working tirelessly at USDA and NPPC and another other organizations are working to create some sort of risk management plan, but I don't know that I don't know really how you'd create one because your hogs will get cold if you get it. So, right. I mean, I think that's the risk management plan. As soon as it pops up, boom, all those piggies are, uh, they're not going to the bacon market. That's for sure. Mm -mm. They will wind up in a ditch somewhere, just like they were dealing with the mafia back in the (laughs) forties. Well, if we ever do get it to us shores, knock on wood that we never see that happen. I can't imagine what the hog markets will do. Yeah. I mean, it's going to make that PEDV high of 130 mm-hmm. and change in front month pork. I think that's going to make it look like child's play. Yeah, because I think so. PEDV was a terrible, terrible disease, mm-hmm. and it certainly impacted a lot of pork producers. But it doesn't have the mortality rate that we see with ASF, nor does it have the virulency in its spread that we see with ASF. So listeners, be diligent. If you are an Asian listener coming over with sausages, put them down. Don't bring them onto our shores. Keep them over there. I liked your word there, virulency. That's a good one. Word of the day. It is. It is. That's that's our our $6 word of the day right there. Yeah, I like it. Well, I've got some news also that concerns China and India. It's not ag-related, but it is definitely commodities market-related. Uh, Delaney, if you have not, you really ought to fill up your car with gasoline here very shortly because the United States today said it is going to end all waivers for the importation of Iranian crude. Before, when we were starting this uh, this TIF with the country of Iran, We went ahead, the U.S. went ahead and let certain countries go ahead and continue importing Iranian crude, namely China and India were the two big buyers. As of today, Uncle Sam is cracking down and it is said that we are not going to allow those countries to purchase Iranian crude oil any longer. Now, there are still some workarounds. Reportedly, Russia will be buying some Iranian crude, rebranding it as Russian and shipping it out that way. You know, there's there's always going to be bad actors who try to skirt these regulations. But what this has done is this caused the price of crude to skyrocket today, hit its 2019 high, took out its 2018 highs earlier in the day, as the world is going to have to be looking for replacement supplies for crude oil. So this is definitely pulling some outside money back into the commodity markets, which even though we don't want to see higher fuel prices necessarily, it is nice to see commodities get some love from the investment sector, even if it happens to be crude oil right off the bat. Yeah. Okay. Well, I just filled my car up with gas the other day, but I think I'll go fill it up again. You know, I think that would be a good plan. The price of crude just spiked today. We'll see where it comes here in the next couple of days. But uh, yeah, Iranian's a major supplier and uh, or excuse me, Iran is a major supplier and they are not going to be allowed legally mm-hmm. to sell into the global market anymore. Mm. That should uh, be an interesting addition to the already fundamental news we have. Yes, yes, absolutely. It's another monkey wrench thrown into the global commodity markets. However, this one could, fingers crossed, be bullish if we get a lot of longs to move into the commodity sector. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Mike, the only other piece of news I wanted to uh, share with our listeners for today is some funding that's going to be available for folks 
who have had some farmland damaged by the floods, specifically in Nebraska, the NRCS or the Natural Resources Con- Converse. I think this article is wrong. The NRCS is providing money to conservation. Yeah, they put conversation. Little typo oh. there. Yeah. Well, you can always you always chat about your <laughs> land use uh, strategies, I suppose. There right. at the NRCS office. <laughs> Anyways, the NRCS is offering folks with damaged farm ground the opportunity to turn that farm ground this year into cover crop ground. So it's to essentially, you know, help manage some of that damaged ground affected by the bomb cyclone. And the funding will be available. The first round of funding will be available until May 17th to sign up. And you can just sign up directly with your FSA offices. And then there's also going to be a second window by June 21st is when you'll need to sign up for that again with your FSA offices. But it's nice to see that they're working or looking at creating a plan for some of that ground that's probably not going to get planted this year. Absolutely. So it sounds like these are going to be one-year contracts for yes. CRP ground? Yep, okay. I think so. Not not right, CRP yeah, ground, let's... cover crop ground. Cover. Oh, oh, I got you. Okay. So this is the year that you can put some of that ground that was flooded into cover crops and mm-hmm. hopefully get some get some payments for it. Yes. Fascinating. Listeners, check that out by all means. We all know what uh what cover crops can do. They can help keep your soil in place, especially after a tough spring like this one. Although I'm reminded, Delaney, of 2013, 2014, one of those years, mm-hmm. northern Iowa saw an incredible deluge of rain right around planting time. And a lot of fields took the prevent plant option and they opted to go ahead and put in cover crops. But because it was so late in the season, there weren't a whole lot of seed options available. Mm. And a lot of growers ended up planting uh, tillage radishes. Yes. And they learned something interesting, which is that tillage radishes, after they have been planted and grown throughout the growing season, they can amass, you know, quite a bit of mm-hmm. weight. Um, once they die, they begin to rot in the fields. <laughs> oh, and- all of northern Iowa smelled terrible. I remember driving along Highway 9 or Highway, yeah, I think it was Highway 9 up there in the, the northern part of the state that year. And I rolled down my window because I like to cruise with the window down. And holy cow, it was as though uh, the stench of rotting radishes was punching me right in the face. Ew, that's yeah, unforeseen um, consequence maybe from that. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. But, uh, but still... Those radishes were able to do quite a bit to hold the soil in place, and they definitely did a nice job of breaking up compaction, you know, but there are exactly some mm-hmm. uh, some side effects along with things like that. Absolutely. Un- unintended consequences. Yeah, yeah, which you, you're going to get. You're going to get those unintended consequences from time to time, but by all means, if you can get some dollars to uh, to maintain your soil structure, get out there, do it, drop into your NRCS office and check that option out. I just have a few other pieces of news, Delaney. The first one is that American soybean sales to China are now at their one-year low. China stepped in. Total U.S. soybean exports to date are at 460,700 metric tons as of last week. Today. That's, that what's, that's what we've had for the past year. Uh, no, excuse me. That is, uh, that is last week's. That's just oh, last week's. Work. Okay. I was going to say that isn't, okay. <laughs> you got me scared there that's, for a second. That is 50% of year ago levels last week. Mm. 
and uh, just above the 446,000 uh, uh, from the same week a year ago. So we are still seeing some troubles with exports. We do need China to step into this market and purchase some U.S. soybeans. I just thought that was interesting and not necessarily positive. Yeah. Uh, the only other news I have, I think it's bullish news, although it will be reported listeners. You'll hear this touted as a negative story here over the next couple of days. The National Association of Realtors has released their uh, home sales data, and they show that home sales tumbled quite a bit in the month of March. Now, on the face of things, that sounds like bad news. That sounds like Americans aren't getting out buying buying houses. One of the uh, symptoms of a down economy is that people stop buying property. This is not as bad as it appears. The reason home sales are down so much in the month of March, and they are reported, is that there's just not enough properties on the market. So basically, home prices continue to rise. People aren't selling homes, and that is causing the sales of homes to fall. So what I want us to think about when we hear this news reported by the, uh, you know, the quote unquote mainstream media is that at the end of the day, what's happening is that home prices continue to rise, which does put wealth in people's pocket, which allows them to feel a little bit more confident in their economic situation. And in my mind, heading into the summer months, this allows them to fire up that grill and cook some more expensive cuts mm-hmm. out there on their Weber or their Traeger or whatever <laughs> it is. They've got uh, at home to grill on. Yeah, and this year it might be interesting to see if pork or beef is the more expensive cut. Yeah, I do think that if we see the price of pork explode, which could happen mm-hmm. as this AFF, ASF fear continues to spread, we'll see the price of beef explode as well because okay. well, retailers are going to watch the price of pork and they're going to price beef more expensive regardless of where where pork's at is my take. Okay. Well, that'll be a good question to ask Garrett here in just a little while when we talk markets. Absolutely. Speaking of markets, Delaney, we don't have a lot of great news Mm -hmm. to report, but should we jump in and report the news that we do have? Let's do it. All right, folks, and our markets are brought to us by our friends at the Zaner Group. Remember, you can get their expert market analysis to help you manage your marketing risk by giving them a call at 312-277-0050. Or you can always visit them on the web and get more information by visiting Zaner, Z-A-N-E-R.com, and tell them you heard it on Ag News Daily. Well, as I mentioned, not a lot of great news. We got a lot of red on the screen in all the markets, save the dairy market today. But in the grains, the uh, July corn contract was down three and three quarters at 367 and a half. December new crop also down three and three quarters to close the day at 382 and a half. Jumping into the soybean market. July contract was down three and a half cents at 890 and three quarters with the November down three and three quarters to close the day at 909 and three quarters. Wheat continues to be the redheaded stepchild. July down six and a half cents at 441 and three quarters with the December contract down five and three quarters to close the day at 865 and a quarter. Livestock weren't spared from this downturn. April live cattle down two and a half cents at 128.50 with the June contract down a dollar 10 on the day, finishing at 121.57 and a half. In feeder cattle, the August contract was down a dollar and a nickel, finishing at 159.62.50 with the September down a dollar 30, closing at 160.77 and a half. In lean hogs, the June contract was down almost the daily trading limit, closed down $2.97.5 at 93.77.50. The July was down $2.57.5, 
finishing at 97, 97 and a half. And as I mentioned, dairy saw a little bit of an uptick. The April contract was unchanged on the day, as we'd expect this close to the end of expiration. Finished the day at 1592. However, the May was up 13 cents on the day, closing at 1582. Without further ado, we're going to move over to our hashtag Market Monday segment of the Ag News Daily Podcast. We'll be talking to our good friend, Garrett Toy from Ag Trader Talk. Well, folks, as I mentioned, our hashtag Market Monday discussion will be joined by our good friend Garrett Toy from Ag Trader Talk. Garrett, thanks for taking the time to join us today. Oh, appreciate you having me on again. Thank you. Now, I think we got to ask you right off the bat. Of course, you farm up there in uh, northwestern Illinois. How are things looking? What's the field work progress uh, looking like up in your part of the world? Oh, definitely busy. Um, a lot of fall tillage chisel plowing and hydras, that sort of thing going on. Um, starting to see some planters running today, but this is about the first of it. I think if we, de- depends on what the rain happens here this week, um, by midweek they'll be going full bore. Um, and then I think we you know, might get about a five-day window before that rain system next weekend. But it's, it, it all depends on what moisture is coming across Iowa. It's kind of been hit and miss. They, you know, I've seen some friends that live uh, east of us that's saying keep going north keep going west of that rain and uh, they can keep working but it's, it's been active definitely active yeah rain is definitely keeping some folks out of the fields for sure and last week on the um progress plantings reports we didn't see iowa nebraska minnesota some of the midwestern states have any progress in those reports or see any planters really getting in the fields yet do you think today's report will see some different numbers and show finally that folks are indeed getting in the fields I think they should. The interesting thing that kind of surprised me was the the trade estimates. You know, I mean, I think the five year average for today is uh, planning progress is is right around twelve percent, and uh, the trade coming into today is only looking for uh, I think they're only looking for about seven percent. So we should see some initial numbers for the ice states, and definitely, I mean, it seems like you know at least from Twitter that the Nebraska guys have been going fairly hard since mm, Thursday or so so that should be reflective but we should see some initial i state progress this week i believe but it, it, i am surprised that it, it that we're running you know that the trade's looking for you know 5% behind behind the or behind average but you know all things considered by the 1st of may it's probably likely we'll be running ahead of average Garrett we are currently running behind average. We've got another rain system moving through, and as you mentioned, another one coming in about five days. At what point is the trade going to start to take notice, or are we all just banking on the fact that everybody's got mammoth planting equipment and we'll get this crop in? That's that's the sixty-four thousand dollar question. I mean, you know, you you follow social media. It seems like we've been talking about this for a month. You know how wet we were and how the snow melt was going to happen. You know, I remember, you know, you know, working on research on prevent plant acres a month ago, you know, because you thought it was going to be a, you know, a big deal. And then, it, you know, everything kind of worked out and, and, um, um, you know, here we are, we're, you know, we're, we, we, we could be on pace or be on normal pace. I think you start to get into, you start to get into the first week of May, the trade will probably start paying attention to it a little bit. I, I think the biggest focus is, and it's obviously you know difficult here looking on our backyards, is that you know it, it, a lot of it is is the weather in South America and and the, the the South American corn crops. And that's I think you know we're focused on our own production, but in reality, what the funds are looking at are the global pie. They're looking at the South American you know, um, you know the crops. 
you know, I was just looking this morning, you know, Argentine corn, <laughs> it's, it's incredible, you know, Argentine corn for the month of August, FOB, on a FOB basis, is offered at 7 over, you know, you know, and the U.S. is offered at 49 over, you know, they're, they're $17 a ton cheaper in August than what we are right now, you know, in Brazil, you know, Brazil's $10 a ton cheaper, so, you know, until we see some, you know, firming of those values, you know, I don't think the onus is really on the, on the, um, on the funds at this point, you know, I, I, it, it seems like, you know, you know, I've been saying it for a month, the most bullish thing is the market structure. And even, you know, the, the corn short is a big portion of that, but, you know, Friday's commitment of traders report for the money market net short is the third largest short of all time across the entire egg complex that we've ever had. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there, you know, a lot of that's the corn market, but it's a big short, you know. So, I mean, you can make the argument that we're due just because of market structure, but in all reality, they really don't because the South American corn is just so dang cheap. So, Garrett, being at such a long record net short position, especially in the corn market, what kind of catalyst are we going to need to see to get some sort of correction? Well, you know, it, it, I thought we'd see a buy the rumor, sell the fact off the 331 report or the, the end of March report or even the April WASD. Um, you know, if we can get in, you know, it, it, it may have to be the end of June, um, acres numbers. But if we can get planning going, you know, without any major hitches, you know, I don't see much going in the next 30, 45 days. And the thing you have to remember is, is um, you know, next month we get our first look at new crop um, S and Ds, and and back in February when they when they first you know issued their their 1920 carryouts, they were at 1.65, 1.7 billion bushel, and they were using a you know our current 1819 carry in of about 1.7. Well, now that carryout's two. You know, I think you've got trade that's looking at an initial U.S. carryout estimate. You know, next month from two three to two five billion bushel, which you know could be the largest since since uh, two thousand five. So um, I think you know that's where the onus is. You know, for the corn short, if they recognize that, I can't imagine that they want to carry this big of a position um, into the uh, into the U.S. growing season. But at the same time, you know, I think that you know the stocks report tells us that the U.S. farmer still has a lot of corn to sell. And, you know, the funds always contemplate that out, you know, when they get into position, uh, you know, when they, when they, when they buy out, there'll be plenty of farmers selling. So I think you kind of have to, you know, temper your upside projections here a little bit. Well, let's move it over and talk a little bit about soybeans, uh, Garrett. What are your thoughts there? I mean, we've got a lot of growers who are dealing with wetness in the soil. We've got a lot of guys who are having a hard time getting NH3 applied. Is there still room to see some more acres transition to beans in your mind? Um, I, I think I think so, and that's our hope. And that's it's you know, you know, I the, the corn S and Ds are focused on South America, but you know, a lot of things can happen in the next thirty to forty-five days. It's still the growing season. You know, it, this is this is game on. Um, if this pattern turns wetter. Um, you know, you know, we can we can see some acre shifts. Um, you know, I you know the big question is 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 you know you know given current prices, I mean, you look at the soy corn ratio where it's at. You know, can 
the new crop bean carryout potentially get tighter if people have decent conditions to get more corn acres planted. You know, can we, because at this point, you know, really nobody expected, you know, 80, you know, 84.6 million acres on the 331 report. That's down slightly from the Fab Outlook meeting. Um, you know, still going to have a fairly big carryout, but, you know, beans, bean profitability is just so poor. We never really had, we're talking about 910 board price today. You know, and I think everybody was looking to sell a 960, 970 board price, plus basis is the big problem. Um, you know, you've got a dollar basis over a lot of, or dollar under basis in a lot of areas in the Western Corn Belt. If we get a, you know, a decent window and given equipment, can corn steal some acres back from beans that potentially could tighten up the new crop carryout a little bit more? You know, we throw on a trade deal at some point in the next 30 to 45 days. You know, the best, the big thing, China back to normal resumption, you know, of, of purchasing patterns to some extent. I mean, obviously they're dealing with ASF and they're, you know, their their current import trajectories are, are aren't the best. You know, there there's still some uh ten million metric ton at this point below where the USDA's got them at. Um that if we can get a trade deal and get some exports going, um, you know, I think that's the best hope is that maybe corn acres buy some buy some acres back from beans or or we turn off water later in the in the growing season and 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 try to uh, get some more prevent plant acres. But it, it's going to boil down to weather in the next 30, 45 days. That's uh, for sure. Weather is affecting the grain markets. Weather's also been impacting some of the maybe livestock markets, especially when you look at the cattle markets. Garrett, we've had some really strong demand in the live cattle markets domestically and pretty good demand internationally as well. Going forward here, we're getting into grilling season. Are we going to see that demand continue and and also reflect that demand within our futures markets? That's been my bias. I mean, you definitely, if you watch the carcass weights and the pen conditions, um, at some point the bullet's going to hit the bone. Um, at that, at the, the issues that we've had with the weather and the declining weights, um, I think that it's, it's going to try to keep a floor under this cattle market, this fat cattle market at some point. I think the biggest issue um, that we have is, you know, kind of with these gasoline prices. Are we going to see people starting to uh, ration beef demand because of, you know, we're going to have to make budgetary decisions. But ultimately, I think, you know, summer grilling season is upon us, carcass weights, you know, this ASF issue, you know, we're going to have, you know, it's not only do we have, you know, some protein or protein shortages because of carcass weight and pens weight and, and beef, but, Ultimately, hogs are going to pork's going to price itself out. You know, it's, it's a basically a global protein shortfall that that should uh, you know support you know the old rising tide lifts all ships, you know, sort of thing. So now, Garrett Delaney mentioned here during our news segment that we've seen ASF spread into Cambodia and Vietnam, and I know Vietnam has really come on board as uh, as a fairly substantial U.S. ag products partner. What's your take here? Are we going to win more in pork exports than we're going to lose in DDG exports? It sure looks that way, and I'm not sure necessarily we're going to, you know, obviously, you know, if you look at China with ASF and the bean imports, um, I think part of the issue, you, you look through February or March, the latest soybean import numbers that you had into Asia, um, I think they were skewed a little bit because of, you know, declining VAT taxes, boats that were waiting to be unloaded, that sort of thing. But, 
you know, it's not necessarily that we're going to lose all this this green demand because, like you see here in the U.S., you know, whenever you have an issue like that, you typically tend to have higher weights, or the producers that don't have ASF will feed out higher weights, so that typically will offset some of that. But, you know, as your question or as your point, uh, Vietnam, for example, you know, there's some cross-border relationships between China and Vietnam since they share the same border. Um, you know, Vietnam has been a massive DDG. I mean, they were usually, you know, top five importer, but it's just kind of noticeable or sticks out here back in February, this, the last, you know, census data that we've had. You know, Vietnam imported their lowest DDG total in nearly 14 months. So whether that's a function of ASF in China or if it's a function of ASF in Vietnam, you know, that it's kind of sticking out that, you know, one of our biggest growth markets, you know, are seeing some slower, some slower numbers or slower offtakes. Garrett, I think really to wrap this up, the meat markets, Mike and I were debating this a little earlier on the podcast, and that's really the impact of African swine fever in our pork markets here in the U.S. and how that's going to translate into our beef markets. Are we going to see African swine fever raise domestic pork prices and see retailers or, or folks raise beef prices to maybe be comparable to pork? Or do you think that this grilling season, pork is going to be maybe the more expensive cuts for people to buy in the store? I think ultimately, I think ultimately you're going to see it realized in pork first. And, and just looking at it from a standpoint of risk, you know, you look at the global pie for protein, you know, and then we're going to have to fulfill pork demand into China as long as we don't have any issues in North America, right? And, you know, that's the risk in the hog market is that we're going to go up in hogs, you know, as, you know, China bought 77,000 metric tons two weeks ago, and then they bought 22,000 metric tons last week. And not only are they you know, buying all this pork, they're paying tariffs on it, they're loading it out. Um, but the hog market is as good as our phytosanitary, right? You know, it, you know, because we're going to go up in t as long as we don't get it in North America. And then at that point, you know, Lord help us, it's, it's probably going to be a couple limit down moves, you know, but mm. if you have AS, if you have ASF in, in North America, then you're, you're further tightening pork. So that only creates more demand for beef and chicken, you know? So the, that, that the protein pool gets smaller per se. Um, so I mean, you know, the limited, you know, I, I, in the back of my mind, I've thought about this myself is, you know, I, I can't imagine, you know, even if pork falls out of bed, it's, it's because of you know, a liquidation issue. But I think, you know, beef is going to have to pick up the slack just because of the product, you know? So that again, leaves some sort of a floor, you know, onto the beef market near term. Garrett, we got to let you go. I know you've got a busy, busy day. You've got great product there at Ag Trader Talk. You want to tell our listeners how they can get a hold of you if they want to get more information or subscribe? Sure. They can go to our website, www.agtradertalk.com, or give us a call, uh, First Choice Commodities, 815-745-2020. Fantastic. Garrett Toy, Ag Trader Talk, thanks for taking the time to talk with us today. Thank you very much. All right. Well, again, a big thank you to Garrett there. It's been a little while since we've had him on the podcast, but uh, always a good time, a good conversation. Absolutely. Folks, check out Ag Trader Talk. Get Garrett's thoughts. And, uh, yeah, he's always – he and Tony McDonald are always bringing some interesting perspectives about the market. And, uh, Delaney, I tell you what, we're going to be back tomorrow. We're going to have a Tech Tuesday discussion. Mm -hmm. And if our listeners want to catch up on any of our past podcasts, where should they go to do that? 
Well, Mike, they can catch up on past podcasts wherever you find your podcasts, or if you uh, maybe want to catch up while you're at work, need a little background noise for you, you can head to globalagnetwork.com slash agnewsdaily, and you can listen to any of our past episodes there. Mike, if they want to interact with us and maybe share their thoughts, where should they be heading? Well, what they need to be doing right this very moment is opening up their Internet, pulling open Twitter and or Facebook and just Googling or searching for us at Ag News Daily. We want their thoughts. How are you coming in the field? We're going to throw a poll up a little bit later on today or tomorrow. We're going to ask you how far along you're coming with your field work. We want to hear from you. By all means, check us out there and interact. We can't be up to date on all the things happening in the world. We rely on our listeners to keep us pointed in the right direction. So, folks, check us out, Ag News Daily, Facebook and Twitter, and Instagram. Delaney, are we on Insta? We have a global Ag Network Instagram page, but we haven't posted very many things yet. Perfect. Well, follow us there. We'll be posting eventually. <laughs> I, I don't get Insta, so I want to leave that up to Delaney okay. and our intern. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. With that, Delaney, what do you say? Should we let the people go? Well, let's let them go. Let's let them go.